Welcome to FHOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3. And I know we're supposed to be doing Ephesians, but what happened was um, I got into Philippians 4 last week, and then I started reading in Philippians 3 this week, and I know it means we're kind of going through Philippians backwards, and I'm not sure if we're going to do Philippians 2 next week, but don't be surprised if we do. But um, this was something that was on my heart and uh, if, you, if you want to, you can actually go to UVersion. Um, it's a Bible app. And um, on UVersion, there's a link on our Facebook page that actually shows the sermon notes. So if you have another device that you can access that, um, you can do it that way. And so anyway, in Philippians chapter 3, it opens up like this. And it might sound familiar to you. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you remember, Philippians 4 opened up with, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So we back, we're backing up a whole chapter. Remember, these chapters weren't there when Paul wrote it. So he's about halfway through his letter, and he's closing it with, finally, he's at the, he thinks he's done, but like, a, like any preacher, he, uh, he, he's closing, but it's, it's his first closing here. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And this is what we see he's going to echo through the rest of this. It's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about some tough issues, but rejoice in the Lord. And later he's going to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, again, I say re rejoice. And what he says right here is, to write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. And I know I've actually even preached on this verse a few weeks ago, and I almost didn't come back through here again, but then I realized that by preaching this again, I'm actually doing what Paul said. I'm going to tell you, guys, it's no trouble for me to repeat myself. I know when we <laughs> talk to our kids, like like I said a few weeks ago, we say, if I have to repeat myself, uh, you know, and, and as parents, we get really upset when we have to repeat ourselves. But Paul said, no, 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 it's no trouble for me to go over this again. Let me repeat myself. In fact, I reminded what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, uh, where Paul says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And, and what encourages me in here is, notice it doesn't say faith comes by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. Like right now you're hearing the word of the Lord, but tomorrow morning when you wake up, you need to hear a fresh word from the Lord again. So, so make sure that we're in the Word. And so when he goes through here, he actually goes through a little list right here. And it's a watch list. All right? I don't know if you knew there was a watch list in the Bible. But he has a little watch list here. And he says to look out for certain things. He says, look out for dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, if I got up on Sunday morning, like I'm right now, and I, from the pulpit, called a group of people dogs, you guys probably wouldn't be very excited with me. But here, the Apostle Paul is actually calling a certain group of people dogs. And these are people who are pulling people away from the true message of the gospel of Christ towards something else. 
He calls them evildoers, and it's those who mutilate the flesh. And what he's specifically referring to is, is those um, Hebrew people who would say the only way you can be a Christian is if you get circumcised. And what he's saying here is that's just mutilating the flesh. You don't have to get circumcised to be a follower of Christ. That's just a rule. That's just part of your religious duty that you think is important. But that's not what Christ came for. He didn't come to get all the, the, the as we've talked about before, so you could check all the boxes. No, no, no. You can be an evildoer and check all the boxes. You can be doing all the quote-unquote right things and still be doing evil because your heart is evil. So God looks at the heart. So this is his watches, dogs, evildoers, those who uh, mutilate the flesh. They, they think doing works is more important than the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, for we are the circumcision. He's not saying it's not what's in your body that's the circumcision. We who have surrendered our lives to Christ, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. He's saying we put no confidence in what we did in our body. Like, like I said, back then, to be a good Hebrew, you had to have circumcision. He said, but that we don't put our confidence in the thing we did. We put our confidence. And here what, what actually is happening is Paul is contrasting a life that glorifies Christ with that which puts confidence in the flesh. And, and I would say um, during this time, um, we're in some very trying times. And a lot of us, I believe, like maybe circumcision hasn't been our thing. Like, you know, we haven't been preaching to people when they come into our church, hey, you need to get circumcised. Um, that would be strange. Um, but what he is saying, uh, what, what we are saying sometimes is we think our way of life up until now, has been pretty good. And I would venture to guess a lot of us had some confidence in our ways of life, which had to do a lot with us and our jobs and the things we did on a daily routine, and our confidence was right there. And Paul's saying, you can't put your confidence there. You can't put your confidence in the things that you do. And now all of us are in a time where we're quarantined at home and we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't be ourselves, maybe. And my question for us today is, is did we have our confidence in Christ or our confidence in who we are? And, and if who we are is in Christ, then of course we can have confidence. But, but some of you, I know you're at home and maybe... You're having some struggle with relationships in your household because you're trapped in a house together. Um, that's going to happen. You're really going to find out where your weaknesses are. You're really going to find where you're vulnerable. I'm reminded of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He said this, when, when Paul was praying, um, take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And I know probably you think some of these people in your house are the, your thorn in the flesh, or, or maybe it's something else. And he said he prayed for it three times to change, and the Lord said, that's not changing. But this is what the Lord responded with. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of God may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, 
insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Any, anybody else feeling pretty weak during these times? Anyone else? Like, like our whole ways of life have been shifted. These are definitely hardships. These are definitely insults like to, to, uh, to our normal way of life. We're feeling weak. But are we glorying in our weakness? Do, do, is our confidence in the flesh or have we put, truly put our confidence in Christ? I'm going to pause for a second and I want you to really think about that. Because if you're not careful, this is just another sermon point and another sermon that you've heard. You've heard hundreds of sermons. But during this time, you're feeling weak. Are you letting the power of God come to you and through you? Let's, let's keep going. Um, as we read on through this, he said, Paul's going to go through a list of all the things that, that he was proud of himself for. He said he could be confident in his flesh. He, he had every reason to be confident in his flesh because, because he, did all, he checked all the boxes. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was an Israelite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he was the right stuff. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, he persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I whatever whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. And I think we're to a place, ladies and gentlemen, where we're we're experiencing some loss. And I hope during this time we're taking that feeling of loss instead of reveling in it and worrying in it, that we would take that. Um, everything that before, I, I should say, everything that before this all happened, we thought was our gain, that we would truly grab a hold of it and count it as loss. All the, that we thought we were before this whole thing went down. You, you think you've lost a lot, but it was already loss. Mm -hmm. Before any of this happened, it was already loss. And what does he say here in verse 8? Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing, I, I have written here is, is, is the, as our worldly things lose their worth. And some of us, I mean, if you've had money in, in stocks or bonds or things like that, you're seeing them drop. All the things we thought was our worth as we're losing jobs, as we're losing things. All of our worldly things are beginning to lose their worth. You, you, you try to even items that you could pawn off, you, you might, might not get as much money as you used to now. Because every, like, who's going to buy things now? But as our worldly things are losing their worth, we have the opportunity to truly know Jesus Christ as Lord, which surpasses all earthly worth. During this time, we're, we're losing money, we're losing jobs, we're losing everything. We have an opportunity to truly see what real worth is. And that is found only in one man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. 
That's where we have to put all our hope. That's where we have to put all our worth. And if your confidence and your worth is in anything else, you're going to be severely disappointed over the next few weeks. Paul goes on to say, um, I don't know, he went over that point, that it's all poop. He says, I consider it rubbish. And you've heard me talk about this before. He said, I've suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish. I count them as dung. That's the Greek word skybalon, which was is a derogatory term for refuse or dung or poo. Um, he considers all the things that we thought were so great. Turns out they really were just dung. They really were just rubbish. But why does he do that? So he can gain Christ. So he can gain Christ. If you can truly get to the point where you consider your life before all this went down, rubbish, poo, like it didn't matter, you can truly gain Christ during these times of crisis. You can truly see him for who he is. You can know him with a knowing that surpasses knowing, it says in Ephesians. And this is what he goes on to say in verse 9. Not have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or from the rules, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Uh, I've written in my notes, believing I had anything to do with this righteousness only devalues it. Because remember, my righteousness is, in another place, it's filthy rags. It's trash. It's dung. It's ru rubbish. There's, there's nothing good. At it. So if I think I had anything to do with it, it, it actually devalues it. If you throw dung on something that's really nice, it devalues it. Being in right standing with God does not come from myself. Being in right standing with God comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Only through faith in Him. And uh, I'm, I'm reminded in Ephesians 3, 3.8, it says, To me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm, I am the very least. I am nothing. But there's unsearchable riches in knowing Jesus Christ. And so as we get into verse 11, he says that, uh, in verse 10 and 11, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And, and how many want to know the resurrection, resurrecting power of Christ? That, that's, that's like, I mean, we shout about that kind of stuff, like the resurrecting power of Christ. But here's what's so um, hard about resurrection. You have to die first. To resurrect, you have to die first. I want to know the power of his resurrection, but Paul says he also wants to suffer like him and die like him. That's what he says here. He says, that I may know the power of his resurrection. And he says this, that I might share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And, and this, this has to be the cry of our heart during these times, is, 
is that we would have joy and suffering knowing that there's resurrection power on the other side of this. But if we never walk through it, if we try to see, if we seek to save our life during this time, we're only going to lose it. Because all we're trying to save is just a bunch of rubbish, just a bunch of dung. But if we could just give that away for those unsearchable riches in Christ so that we could die to the things that we think are so important so that we can live for him during this time. What I think is so crazy, and, and I, was, I was on a conference call with a bunch of pastors earlier this week, and, and what, what struck me is, is this pastor was leading this discussion. He was talking about like all the things you said you would do if you had more time. Now you have more time. You're stuck at home. All the things like, man, if I just had more time at home, I could do this, 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 this. Now you're there. Now I know some of you aren't. Some of you, your workload has been ramped up during this time. But some of you, you're not. You're, you're sitting in place. And you're in a season of waiting. And the Lord is calling to you. He's calling to you that you could truly know him during this time in a way that you never have before. And what are you doing? What are you doing with that time? Are you making it yours? Adding your value to it? Looking at this screen all day, but without scriptures on it? What are you doing? Let's keep... Um, Going in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, I'm reminded where Jesus actually says, after, after several people come to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. I, I, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus actually says, I don't, I don't think you can handle it. In verse 33, he says, So therefore, any one of you who does renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. These are people coming up to him and say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go say bye to my mom and dad. He's like, no, follow me. First, first, first let me go bury my dad. No, follow me. And it sounds harsh. It sounds so harsh. And the point wasn't that Jesus was saying we shouldn't take care of our families. What, what Jesus was, was saying is that following him does cost you everything. And during this time, are we, are we letting go or are we trying so hard to keep a hold of what we had? Where's and, and and you can look on the outside to all of us like you're letting go, but inside you feel the turmoil. You know, and only the Lord sees what you're struggling with. What's really great is if we look down through uh, verses 12 through 16, we actually get a list of how we can be mature in our thinking. And that's what we're called to be is we're called to be mature in our thinking. And what is the qualifications of being mature in our thinking? Well, first of all, you have to be able to say that you haven't obtained it yet. Like, you're not there. You're not perfect. That you belong to Christ. You are His own. You're not your own. You are His own. That you'd forget the things that are behind, all that stuff that you thought was great that you now realize is lost leave it behind right like the scripture tells us like a dog returning to his vomit does a full return to his folly that stuff was folly let's not return to it 
and we strain, we strive for what lies ahead. What lies ahead during this season for you? God wants to speak to you during this season. Are you straining for it? Are you striving for it? And why? What's the goal? The goal is the call of God in Christ. And what's so great is what he says in this verse is if you're immature in your thinking, God will reveal it to you. But then it's up to you to do something about it. There's no magic formula that God does to you that set forces you to surrender to him. But God will reveal immature thinking to you. Let's actually read it from Paul, this list. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I own this. I've, I forgot what lies behind. Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize, for the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. The prize is the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And then he says this, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, and if, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And it's basically saying, let's hold true. Like, if you get this revelation, hang on to it. Like, like don't let go of it. Keep pressing forward. Last week, we talked about a revelation in Philippians chapter 4. We talked about in the and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it was, it's a wonderful, and I would challenge you when we get done kind of crawling through Philippians chapter 3 today, that you go back and reread Philippians chapter 4, because now you have greater context for the fourth chapter. But there's this peace, and, and, and uh, we said it last week. That the things we should think on are things that are true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy. Like this is where our mind should live. And then he says this, imitate me and the peace of God will be with you. And I put it this way um, last week, but we see it here in 317 again, where he says, imitate me. And he says this, and watch those who are being like me. Brothers, in verse 17, join imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And I will say this again. Are you living a life where you can look at people around you and say, imitate me? Do the things I'm doing. Be an example like I'm being. Is that something you can say? Or as we move on to um, and, and look like last week, sorry, um, we see this in chapter 4 where he said, remember he said what you've learned what you've seen, what you've heard um, what you've received he wants you to give out that's what he says in chapter 4 this is him saying again in chapter 3 he's, he's, he's repeating himself and it's no trouble to him and we said this last week I can be an avenue of peace for someone's life as I lead them to Christ I can be an avenue of peace for someone's life as I lead them to Christ. And probably the grammar teacher in here thinks there should be an apostrophe there. But I can be an avenue of peace for someone's life as I lead them to Christ. Are you able to bring peace to the situations around you? 
Paul will say in chapter 4, in whatever situation I'm in, I am content. How can he say that? Well, because he doesn't live his life according to destruction. There's actually a recipe for destruction in 3.18, and it's this. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. There's actually enemies, and I know we're supposed to to love people around us and love our enemies, but we have to recognize our enemies as well. We love our enemies, but we recognize our enemies. And our enemies, um, not our enemies, but the enemies of the cross of Christ are those described in verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in shame with minds set on earthly things. And, and I, what I have here is their God is their belly. They're indulgent. They're about me. It's not just their God is their belly. Their eyes can't get enough, right? Their eyes are their God. Their, their belly is their God. Their pleasure is what this means. Things that make me feel good is my God. They glory in their shame. And, and remember, what is our shame? Is, is we think we're great. We think we're something special, right? When we realize everything that's good about me is just dung. It's just rubbish. And so I glory in myself. I think I'm so good. I think I'm so great. The life I had. But it's just shame. It's just shame. And some of it's just outright sin. And then last it says, they set their mind on earthly things. And I think this is where we really need to question ourselves during this season that we find ourselves in is it's very easy to put our mind on what's going on in the earth. And I'm not saying we don't prepare, I'm not saying we don't plan, but if we live like citizens of this world, we're going to live in stress, we're going to be de-stressed, um, it's going to be rough. But if we look at verse 19, it tells us, um, and verse 20, sorry, our citizenship is in heaven, yeah. and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm, I'm proud to be an American. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm thankful um, that we're probably going to get some stimulus checks. But if that's what you're waiting for, then your hope is in the wrong place. Because before I'm an American citizen, I'm a citizen of heaven first. Okay. And there's fellow citizens across the globe that I'm brothers and sisters with. I am not of this world. My citizenship is in heaven before any earthly realm. And, and we, we as, a, as the body of Christ now more than ever have to stake our flag not in the country we live in but under the God we serve. Now more than ever. That's where we have to put our hope. I'm telling you, any like, and I was thinking about this, Think through, think through generations past of Christian history. We're not the first group of Christians in the world that have experienced suffering worldwide. It's happening in, in centuries past. And what's important for believers isn't that they align themselves with the correct political uh, opinions of the day. But it's important for the believers all throughout history to make sure they're fully surrendered to the king of kings. And, and I know we don't have a lot of kings today, but the king of presidents and the king of, of, 
of prime ministers. He's the one we need to be submitted to. He's the one we should fear. He's the one we should reverence during this time. And we can't get so caught up with what's going on in Washington, D.C. or Little Rock or whatever that we forget to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ during this time. To tell people that Jesus came, God came in the flesh mm -hmm. to die for our sins, to take all of our shame. And if we surrender our lives to him, we can find freedom and hope and we can find heaven on earth. Now, not just someday when we die, but today there is freedom. The kingdom of God is near. It is at hand. And this is what it tells us. We, we don't wait for, for stimulus checks. We wait for a savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Listen, this is exciting. We will be like him in his glory. We will be like the glorious Savior. And some of us, we're starting to become a little bit more like him every day. But the day is coming where we will be transformed to be just like his glorious body. And so we could lose it all. We could lose it all, but we, have, we still have hope. That, that, that hope is that we're being transformed into who he is because he is good, because he is gracious, because he is kind. There is hope. There is hope for every believer. Um, I will be like Christ. Uh, and, and this is the, the last note I have here is, I will be like Christ. And guess what? Christ has all power. Christ has all power. And if you were to go back and, and uh, you were to look at um, Ephesians, it reminds us that when Jesus Christ was seated in heaven, in heavenly places, that we are seated with him. And that's the way we must walk during this time. He has the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so I don't walk through this time with fear. I don't walk through this time. And as, as you go and you read chapter 4, as you get into this, uh, this next um, part of, of Philippians, what you're going to see is Paul's going to begin to talk about that peace. Right? So he just goes through chapter 3 basically saying, look, looking at this right here, this is dumb. This is nothing. But putting my eyes on him and surrendering to him, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's where I'm excited. That's where I find my joy. And so I'm going to pray. And when I pray, I want you to um, really let the Lord challenge your heart that as you suffer through this time, as, as, as we begin to lose some of our, our stuff, that the Lord would truly challenge us that as we're losing us, that we'd find him more. Find him more. This is not a time for you to, to um, pull away from your time with the Lord. No, this is a time where you need to increase your time with the Lord. Um, this is a time where we need to surrender ourselves more to the Lord. And, and uh, today, um, pastor, um, pastors all across the nation, our leading prayer for our nation and for our world. I know our governor, um, Asa Hutchinson, has called us to a time of prayer uh, to pray uh, for our state during these times. He's called, a, 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 I guess, a state day of prayer is what you would call it. 
And so we're just going to take a moment. We're just going to pray. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. Father God, we thank you that you, Lord, you have us in your hand. Father God, that, that, that you have all power. And Lord God, we, we know that you didn't do this to us, Father God. But now we look to you, we lean to you, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you, Father God. And we're asking you to move in our world, move in our nation, move in our state, Father God. That you would bring healing to those who are sick, Father. Lord God, we pray for our, our, our front line, Lord, those who, who are around this virus every day. Father God, I pray that you would just keep your hand on them, protect them, protect their families, Father God. I pray fear, Lord God, would go away. Lord God, we pray for, for our, our economy, Lord. We believe that you're going to do a work. But God, as, as we go through hard times, Lord, as we suffer, Lord, you, you told us in this world we will have trouble, but to take heart, you have overcome the world. Father God, our, our hope isn't in a vaccine. Our hope isn't in a stimulus check. Father God, our hope is truly in you during this time. So, Father God, I pray we would lean into you, Lord, that we would pray, that we would fast, Father God, that we would seek your face, Father, Lord Jesus. And if this thing ends next week, Father God, that we could, we could walk through the door next week saying, I found the Lord during this last week. But, Father God, if this thing lasts days, weeks, even years, Father God, that we would be able to emerge on the other side saying, Lord, we found you during this time. We truly got to know you for who you are, not who we thought you were. Lord God, we had to lose everything just so we could find you. Lord God, our prayer, our hearts would be encouraged knowing that you are our hope, Lord God, and that you never change, Father God. And we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.